on the virtual Bible study tonight. I am looking forward to this program. We're talking about the preacher tonight. I'm not going to say Kyle. anything. I'm just listening. Tonight. Kyle, we're ready to pile on, aren't we? Yeah, all right. Yeah, we're talking about what we want in a preacher. Oh. Preachers and preaching. All right. We're going to have a good discussion tonight. We look forward to it and look forward to you joining us. Stay tuned. We're getting started right now. It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 93 93- one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and we welcome you to the virtual bible study for thursday march 21st 2019 thank you for joining us tonight my name is jacob Gwynn. my father greg Gwynn is here dad jacob great to be with you glad tonight. to be with you as well kyle's behind the controls tonight kyle welcome it's good to be here glad that you're here glad that you're listening tonight and we encourage you to comment at eight it's toll-free. We wanted to hear from you on the phone or over email. Question you know, that used to be a, more of a big deal than it is now, toll-free uh, yeah. calling. Everybody can call toll-free on their cell phones yeah. anymore, but but that used to be a big deal. We, it, and ours is. I mean, if you're on a landline. We're still a little we're retro still, there. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we're still toll-free. Uh, email's a little bit. Maybe, uh, I don't know. Email's still... We don't do get near as much communication email anymore. More of our com- more of our comments in the chat room, and we want you to get in there and use use that chat room feature and and uh, comment as our program. If you're not listening to us live, you're catching us in a podcast version. We welcome your comments at any time. Questions at collegeview.com, and we encourage you to send us an email with suggestions for future topics to be send, Yeah, just communicate with us. Let us know where you are. Uh, uh, how you, how you found the Virtual Bible Study? Uh, what's your geographical location? Maybe um, you got a question. You read something in the Bible. What does that mean? Or what do you think? What does the Bible teach about this subject? It doesn't even have to be all that complicated of a question. We could put it in a stack of things that we'll do on a sort of a question and answer period. Yeah. Or uh, maybe uh, maybe you disagree with us. We would especially like to hear from you. Questions at collegeview.com. Use that email address to get your bumper sticker to help be, spread the word. Yeah, be in touch. Yeah, we, uh, we've got bumper stickers. We'd be glad to get you a we bumper sticker. We just want to sticker. borrow a little part of the back window of your car maybe. Yeah, exactly. Or maybe a cubicle wall at work or something. And then while we're while we're talking about things that we we have to offer you, we have to offer you our our regular Bible studies and worship services are now being streamed live on YouTube. Uh, you have worked on that a lot, and Kyle has been very involved in getting that going. Kyle's our sort of our video, uh, what would we call him, production manager? He's like the brains behind the whole thing. He's the brains. And, uh, and so... Uh, and, and people are really beginning to take advantage of that, and it's a good service. If you happen to be shut in on a, on a Wednesday night or on Sunday morning, Sunday evening, you're shut in, maybe sick, maybe staying home with sick kids or whatever, we don't want you to use this feature to stay away from worship services. But if you, if for some reason you can't be there, uh, we'd like you to use this service. Plus, uh, once those live streams have gone out, they're still there in an archived form, and and so if you want just some additional programming, go watch one of those sermons or one of those Bible classes on on YouTube. But remember, it's a different channel. It's not the same channel you're watching the virtual Bible study on. That channel is called College View Live Stream. You can get to that at our website. There, we got a, we got a, we got a link at collegeview.com, or you can you can easily find us. Go to YouTube and search for. College View live stream. And Kyle's doing a great job with that. Kyle goes back, and he, he just puts he trims it down to just the sermon. If you want to watch after the fact, just to, so you can view the sermon, but uh, you catch it live, you see the whole service there, and uh, and so it's a, it is a good tool. Thank you, Kyle, for getting that all together and putting that on for us. Uh, it's not an easy job. I had to fill in for Kyle the other day, and boy. Keeps I was you, white knuckling it the whole time. Keep you hopping. Yeah, it's a lot of work, but Kyle and you guys it, have been really good. good. I, mean, I, I, I'm not, I'm not up on all the uh, technical aspects, but I know you guys put in a lot of time getting all the parts and pieces working. Kyle did that. Kyle did a great job. Yeah. All right. 
Okay, All right, so, so let's get into the, the so today topic at hand. We want to talk about the kind of preacher and the type of preaching we need. We sent out an update earlier today to our update list, and we always remind you that if you're not on that update list, get on it by sending us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Just say, add me to the list. We will do that. And you would have gotten today, if you were on our list, these questions for consideration. And also, we invite you to start sending feedback throughout the day. And uh, we've got a few who've sent in feedback already. But here are the questions that we ask. Number one, what are the personal character qualities that a preacher needs to possess? All right. Number two, what kind of personal skills does a preacher need to possess? Need some skills. Number three, what kind of sermons does a preacher need to preach? Ooh. And number four, what can preaching, even the very best preaching, not accomplish? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I've already looked ahead at some of our answers on that, and I think it's, there's some different takes on that question. I think it will be a good discussion. All right. So uh, sign in the chat room and share your thoughts there or send us an email. We want to hear from you on the program tonight about the preachers, you know. Yeah, maybe you could take the night off tonight because we're going to be talking about the preacher a lot. But uh, actually, we need to look at this subject uh, personally as ourselves as we talk about what kind of preaching do we need. Yeah. Uh, You know, sometimes people get upset when they hear preaching that they need. They get upset about that. And we need to step back and say, what kind of preaching do I really need personally? What's if, it's do- what, if it's the right kind of preaching and I need it, then I need to accept it. I need to be ready to accept it. Yep. Be, and I, I ought to be welcoming that and, and be excited when I hear something. Maybe it is uncomfortable. Maybe it does hurt my feelings or make me squirm a little bit. But if it's what I need, then I ought to be yeah, you know, And don't get mad at the preacher. Don't shoot the messenger, as yep. they say. Yep. If it's what I need, then I need it. Yeah. Uh, Actually, let's just start out with 1 Corinthians chapter 121, which points out that preaching is an important part of the way God set things up. It's a part of his plan. It says in 1 Corinthians 121, after that, in the wisdom of God, the world by wisdom knew not God. It pleased God by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. God could have done things a lot of different. I mean, I suppose God could have done things in an infinite number of ways. He's all powerful. He could have accomplished his purposes. In lots of ways, but he chose the avenue of preaching to to spread the gospel message, to get the word out to people so that they have an opportunity to respond to his love and mercy and grace. Um, Preaching is an important part of God's plan. We didn't dream it up. It's not our it's not our we didn't scheme this idea. It's from God. Now, why do you think it's calls the preaching foolishness? Surely that's not talking about the shenanigans some character might Put on up in, in front of the, uh, uh, the crowd. What what is uh, what is the foolishness of preaching that he's talking well, about? Well, uh, I think it, it, it by human estimation, it's a foolish plan. He goes on to say the Jews require a sign, and the Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block, and unto the Greeks foolishness. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. Um, so. Uh, he called. He, he's just using that terminology accommodatively because the the sophisticated Jewish people and the and the uh, uh, the philosophers among the Greeks would have deemed this as not not too not too fancy, not too sophisticated. But it was what God wanted. So maybe we make an application to today. A lot of people today have decided that preaching is foolishness, and that we will save the community around us by some type of fair or some type of family fun day. Preaching is not enough. Preaching is not enough. We need some other enticement. That's the way people are approaching. Do you think that you could actually get people to come and learn about God's word by preaching? You don't need some type of... You don't need to set a Ferris wheel up in the parking lot and give pony rides and but, face, paint faces. So what you're saying, and I, I would agree with you wholeheartedly, that when we begin to use carnal inducements to, to draw people, we're saying that we don't believe that the gospel is adequate. Right. And that God's plan to draw people by the preaching of the gospel That's his is... That's plan. That's yeah. what he's just said. Yeah. He's going to save men by the f- preaching. Yeah. Uh, Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it's the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, Romans 1, 16. So, you know, it's sometimes kind of a, a good mental exercise to try and imagine the Apostle Paul 
in some of these churches today where they have indoor fireworks and bull riding and yeah. and and all that sort of stuff as a, as a way to try to draw people uh, Paul would be flabbergasted by that. Remember that guy we interviewed that was doing the mixed martial arts? They were they were, they were having cage up. cage fighting cage fights to try yeah. and get people to learn about Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Well, now that's foolishness. (laughs) Preaching is what God wants. Exactly right. So uh, that's a good place to start. So the first question is, well, what about the preacher himself? Um, What kind of character qualities does he need to possess? Um, Well, first of all, well, I don't know, Jake, why don't we just read what our emailers yeah, said, and we can start, comment about that. Let's start with Kent in Georgia. Kent's a faithful correspondent. All of our correspondents tonight are faithful correspondents. Kent in Georgia. And, well, I can't believe this, but all of our correspondents are from Georgia. Oh, right? wow, we got a great Georgia Georgia's representation. Georgia's their way tonight. Kent says, sterling moral character is what uh, a personal trait, that the, a personal characteristic that a, a preacher needs. Sterling moral character. And, uh, boy, you could talk a long time about that. But if the preacher's not practicing what he's preaching, then you might as well hang it up. Well, uh, now there's this is a little bit of a two-sided coin because there's no perfect people. That's true. You know, so the the, the preacher is he's a sinner like everybody else. We understand that, and uh, and he's going to make his his errors and sins and his shortcomings. Uh, but we want him to be a man possessed of strong moral character. Now that would a strong moral character would would clearly mean that he's going to try to limit sinful things in his life, and when he sins, he's going to address those sins in his life. He's not going to continue in them. But uh, it, it, uh, you know that expression that you just used. He's got to practice what he preaches. So he so he's preaching on, I don't know, preaching on lying. But we find out that he himself is a bad liar. Yeah. He's not going to be very successful in no. teaching people on that subject when he he's not controlling his own life in that matter. And it doesn't even have to be the subject he's talking about. If he if the preacher gets on to someone about lying, but he is a drunkard. Yeah. The liars will say, Well, maybe I shouldn't lie, but he shouldn't be a drunkard. Yeah. So, and so he just discounts everything well, he says. So again, no preacher is a, is a perfect sinless individual. There was only one who ever was. Yep. But he does need to possess, as as Kent said, a high moral character, uh, and 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 so that his more so that his life is not going to detract from the gospel yeah. is the key. Yeah. The next one Kent mentions is consistent application of New Testament principles, and so he needs to be someone who is consistent in his interpretation and application of the scripture. And I think Kent's talking there about application to his own life. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's where it's got to start. Again, nobody's perfect, but whenever we study and prepare to teach a lesson, the first, the first person that should apply the sermon is the preacher himself. And so definitely he has to consistently be applying the New Testament principles that he's trying to teach uh, and, and share with others. All right. And finally, genuine concern for people. Why would you do this work? Why would you Why would you bother to preach if you're not concerned about people? Yeah. I mean, I. I, I well, I, I suppose it's a two-edged sword. One side of that is you do it because you love God, but you also the other side of that sword has to be you do it because you love people and you want to see lost people saved from hellfire. All right. So yeah. I like I like Kent's answer there. The three important character qualities that we'd want to see in a preacher. Back to that uh, and, and and in all of those things, I think in everything that he mentioned and in all these things that we'll talk about as character quality, these are things that every Christian ought to possess. You know, look at that again. High moral character, applies New Testament principles in his own personal life, has a genuine concern for people. Well, yeah, I want to see that in a preacher. I would tell you what, though, I want to see that in all Christians. That's right. Right. That's right. Okay. So, so what we're saying is there's there's not there's not one set of standards over here for preacher, and then there's another set of standards over here for for other Christians. Yeah. That that's not true. It, it, we just want, and if you wanted to say it in its simplest terms, you'd say we want a preacher who's a good Christian. Yeah, yeah, and maybe we need to be careful about holding the preacher up to a higher standard than we hold ourselves. Uh, yeah, I think so. That I think that's happens, true. Does it? <laughs> Sometimes it does. I think. All right. Okay. All right. Let's get a break, and we get back. We've got uh, some more answers to take from our listeners. We'd like to take yours as well. Maybe in the chat room to make it easy on your fingers tonight. What is the one single trait 
that a preacher needs to possess in order to make his work effective? What's the single? So we're going to talk about his skill set second there, but but right here we're talking about his character. Personal character. What's the most important one? You can get that in during the break. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. Are you listening? There's going to be a test on this stuff. Stay tuned. The virtual Bible study will be right back after this. Hi, I'm Jerry Fralix. I'm a member of uh, College of the Church of Christ here in Columbia, Tennessee, and I have a few words to say. Occasionally, we hear parents who say that they don't want to force religion on their children. These misguided folks think they're doing their kids a favor by letting them decide for themselves. They're afraid that there will be some resentment in their children later if religion had been crammed down their throats. If we may be absolutely blunt in response, that is one of the most ridiculous ideas anyone ever suggested. We force many things on our children. We insist that they bathe, brush their teeth, change their clothes, etc. We cram education down their throats by making them attend school regularly. We demand that they do their homework. We force them to eat good food, get adequate rest, and do other things that are important to their health and development. We do all of this because we know it is in their best interest, and we do it even when the kids don't like it. Why is it this such a common sense approach is neglected by parents who are determined to let the kids decide for themselves when it comes to religion? Dr. James Dobson writes, There's a critical period when certain kinds of instruction are easier in the life of children. There is a brief period during childhood when youngsters are vulnerable to religious training. Their concepts of right and wrong are formulated during this time, and their views of God begin to solidify. The opportunity of that period must be seized when it is available. The absence or misapplication of instruction through that prime time period may place a severe limitation on the depths of the child's later devotion to God. When parents withhold indoctrination from their small children, allowing them to decide for themselves, the adults are almost guaranteeing that the youngsters will decide in the negative. God's word has always taught us the truth on the subject. Train up a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not depart from it. Proverbs 22.6 Here's some quotes worth pondering. A man's integrity is measured by his conduct, not by his claims. Character is built by many small deeds, but it can be lost in a single act. The ancestor of every action is a thought. Man, wish I'd said that. Share your comment with the world. Call in now and be a part of the virtual Bible study. Now, back to the program. We're back on the virtual Bible study tonight as we look at uh, what makes good preaching. We're looking at the preacher's characteristic, tra- uh, his character qualities now. In the chat room, guest 6006 says humility. That's also what uh, Chris and George Yeah, we'll mentioned. get to that. I think it's right, and we're going to talk about that more here in just a second. And Donna is in the chat room. Donna says a sense of humor. That a preacher needs to have a sense of humor. Yeah, and and maybe we'll talk a little bit about that too, uh, because uh, um, and, and we might talk more like about that along the lines of his skill set and how he how he how he presents things. Yeah, I can think of at least one Bible preacher who had some humor. Who are you thinking about? Apostle, the Apostle Paul. He was, he used a little bit of humor in his. Yeah, I think I think Jesus did actually. There, yeah, there's some true. statements from Jesus that I, if you look at them in a certain way, kind of humorous. But, yeah. So I yeah. I would agree to that. Okay. Uh, and we well, were I mean, talking. Is it, is it mandatory? I don't know if it's mandatory. No. But he may not be as effective if he's so straight laced that that yeah. he never okay. never All cracks right. a smile. Okay. Uh, and in the chat room, Stephen mentions, and I've, I've heard this illustration before, I think it's a good one, that when you point a finger, if the preacher's pointing his finger, when he's pointing, one finger pointing out, but he's got the other three pointing back at himself, which is just a way of illustrating that he needs to apply the message, the, the message to himself. Chris in Georgia uh, references what 6006 did in his response tonight, the idea of humility. That that would be a personal characteristic that he needs to have. Now, think about that for a minute. And, of course, the Bible has a lot to say about pride. And it, and it strongly condemns the problem of pride in people's lives. And so, again, all Christians need to work on being humble. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, I'm reminded of 1 Peter chapter 5, where Peter says that, uh see, 1 Peter 5 Verse 6, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. The previous verse says, God resists the proud. He gives grace to the humble. So humility is an important characteristic for everybody. But uh, I think in particular, preachers, uh, you, you want to see that character quality in a preacher. And again, this is there's, there's sort of a spectrum. I mean, all, all of us can obviously improve in the matter of humility. But if a guy comes across as arrogant and a know-it-all, 
you don't even like to hear that. You know, you don't like, like to be around a person like that. I remember a guy years ago, and someone described him and said he's he, and he was a proud, arrogant person. And and someone said about him, he says he's always right, but you wish he wasn't. You know, which is just saying he, he's right, but he he comes he comes at it in such an arrogant, proud way that it's hard to swallow. Yeah. And so I think humility is 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 certainly a, a Christian. A trait that all Christians should possess and work to develop more and more humility. Uh, but certainly we need to see that in preachers. All right. And Chris goes on. He says that the preacher needs to be studious, passionate in studying God's word. Um, yeah. And, and that's a challenge, too, because there are, you know, having, having spent a lot of years in preaching, and you, you realize that there's some people who enter into that because if they if you want to be lazy if you want to do nothing you can you can pretty well get by with almost doing nothing because if you have any any gift of gab so to speak so that you can get up on sunday morning and and talk for 30 minutes yeah. uh, then you you know you, you can skip by with doing very little and and so a preacher needs to be a self motivator he needs to be studious. He needs to work hard to know the word. He needs to be a very good student of the Bible. Uh, there's there's all kinds of resources available. Uh, there always have been, and they're even more accessible today through the internet. But again, the internet's a downside because if a guy wants to be, he, you know, you can pull sermons right off of the internet now. You don't even have you don't have to prepare them yourself. They're all prepared for you if you want them. Just get up and start talking. Just get up and start talking. You know, uh, so. It's it's easy if 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 a fellow wants to be lazy, it's easy to be lazy in that in that work. And we want somebody who's not who's studious and passionate about studying God's word, first a self motivating worker. Paul's instructions to Timothy in First Timothy chapter four verse thirteen, beginning till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine. In verse fifteen, meditate upon these things, give thyself wholly to them, that thy profiting may appear to all. Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Paul told Timothy, you need to be paying attention to what the Word of God says. Know it so that others can benefit from your knowledge and meditation on God's Word. Exactly right. Paul said to Timothy in a familiar passage, 2 Timothy chapter 4, uh, beginning verse 2, Preach the Word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned into fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. You know, do the work of an evangelist. Make full proof of them. In other words, demonstrate it. Uh, you know, you can put forth the effort. Do the work of an evangelist. Uh, so I, I think that that uh, Chris has has got a point there that needs to be stressed. Unfortunately, my guess is that probably everybody who's listening has has known of instances where there were preachers who were just lazy. Yeah. Uh, and 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 who just didn't put forth any effort to do a good work. That's a character flaw. It is. That, that's not, that's just not bad practice. That's a character flaw, and uh, we don't want to see that. All right. Uh, Chris says that he needs to be a good listener. Again, I think yeah, that's that's a, a, a fair point as well. <clears throat> uh, and 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 you could approach this from a variety of different ways, uh, but he needs he needs to be attuned to the needs of those that he's teaching because we're as preachers we're going to we're going to hopefully have opportun- good opportunities to teach the lost but we're also going to have opportunities to teach those who are Christians already and and deal with issues that they may have we need to sort of be in touch and understand a, a, a really good example is Philip the evangelist when he met the Ethiopian eunuch he heard him reading from Isaiah chapter 53 and he said, do you understand what you're reading? And, and, and the eunuch said, no, I need help. And so Philip 
Philip figured out where his student was. He, 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 in other words, he was seeking that feedback. What do you know? Where are you at? What do you need to still know? Yeah. And, and all good teachers and preachers do that about their students. But you gotta, you gotta be listening to receive that feedback. Yeah. And part of that is, I think part of that is being patient, uh, with, and not, uh, not just coming with, you listen to me and, and I'm not going to listen to you, but be patient with the listener and or the, the student where, where they are and where they need to get. Yeah. Um, okay. All right. Uh, and, and, and by listening to people, you'll find out as, as a preacher, you'll find out themes that need to be taught on. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, if, if you're, if you don't listen and don't get some feedback, you may be talking about a lot of things that are all, relatively good things but you may be missing some very critical points that that you should be preaching about all right um and then he says uh last point we talked about not that lazy. Not, not lazy yeah all right. studious and not lazy i think those are really good let's get steven down in uh, rockmore georgia uh he says a preacher needs to possess clarity of vision as to what the office or position is supposed to entail the job of the preacher is to preach or proclaim the gospel Death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, 1 Corinthians 15, 1-4, to the lost who are situated outside of the church. Uh, that means, he says, the building or congregation. The job of the preacher is not to become a minister to the congregation and to preach to them. The church is all, has already been obedient to the gospel. The elder's job, by contrast, is to teach those whom the preacher has converted to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded. Sadly, this is not what is happening within the Lord's church today. If it is ever has over the last 170 years or so. So when I see the preacher sitting around the church building all day, responding to emails, writing bulletins, preparing a lesson for Sunday morning, organizing a field trip for the teenagers or the elderly, I just shake my head in disgust. By careful examination of the progressive order of positions in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 4 through 6, I find that they are in sequential order of importance, starting with apostle, followed by prophet, both of which now go unfulfilled as having been replaced or fulfilled, and followed by evangelist. The evangelist is the preacher, and he must be the most highly taught and qualified person on the team, the team being the evangelist, elder, and deacon. Reason being, he is going out among the wolves and will be up against people who are playing in Satan's sandbox. He needs to know the scriptures forward and backwards and must be on uh, his top game all the time, able to give an accurate answer to one and all in love. So Stephen says that the preacher's job isn't even to give sermons to the congregation. I think there's some good points there in what Stephen said, but I would disagree with the idea that the preacher doesn't preach to Christians mm-hmm. as well. To the, to, so certainly we want to reach the lost. Right. There's just no doubt about it. I wouldn't argue that for for a half a second, right. uh, obviously. And, and we, we seek and search for opportunities to preach to the lost. But uh, the the Apostle Paul, for instance, uh, when 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 he came to Antioch, remember Barnabas, Acts eleven verse twenty five, uh, Barnabas departed to Tarsus for to seek Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch, and it came to pass that a whole year they assembled themselves with the church and taught much people, and the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. Well, sounds like they were teaching those who were already Christians, doesn't it? And then uh, we know in Acts chapter 20, when the, when Paul was talking about the, his his work among the the those in Ephesus, and he he had been in Ephesus for three years at at, at one juncture, he was there for three or or over two years anyway. Uh, in in Acts chapter 19. Uh, when he was in Ephesus, it says, well, Divers were hardened and believed not, but spake evil the way before the multitude. He departed from them, separated the disciples, disputing daily in the school of one Tyrannus, and continued by the space of two years. Uh, uh, he was the, the, he was working with teaching the disciples as well as others. We agree he was. T- t- but then in Acts 20, yeah, Paul think- told the elders, I take you to record this day that I'm pure from the blood of all men, for I have not to sh- shun to declare unto you. Yeah. All the counsel of God. Yeah. So Paul was preaching for the, toward the lost for sure, but he was also working with those who were Christians. How about Acts 20, verse 7? Upon the first day of the week when the disciples came together to break bread, Paul preached unto them. That's excellent. Ready to part on the morrow. Yeah. Why was he doing that? 
Well, he certainly felt an obligation to speak to the disciples as well as to the lost. And, and, and notice that he even says he preached to the disciples. So, Stephen, I think you're going to have to back up on that a little bit. We agree wholeheartedly that we need to be seeking the lost, but we also... It's not the exclusive uh, job. Uh, the yeah, the preacher has a job of teaching and edifying those who are Christians already. All right. I think we could go other ways and prove that, but I think that's an important point. Okay. All right. Uh, good comments uh, by all tonight, and uh, it's time for break. When we get back, what kind of personal skills does the preacher need to possess? So his character qualities, now his personal skills. Donna says, my preacher does such a wonderful job, but he tells the corniest jokes. I love him and his wife, too. All right. Well, that you know, I, just well, let's talk about that when we come back about the skill set of the preacher and how he does his work of preaching the gospel. All right. Corny jokes, maybe yes or no. <laughs> Need uh, to get those corny jokes out, I think. Okay, right. all right. We're going to get a break and get this week's bullet point. When we get back, we'll take your thoughts. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. These guys are doing all of the talking. We need to hear from you. Call in now. The virtual Bible study continues right after this. This is Greg Gwen with this week's bullet point. Do you believe that there is a God? Are you convinced that he is the creator of the entire universe? Have you examined the evidence and become persuaded that he not only has made everything, but also sustains all things that we see and know? Colossians 1, 16, 17. There's ample proof, and believing in these things is no blind leap of faith, as some accuse. Rather, it is a logical conclusion based upon the evidence. The Apostle Paul said, quote, For of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. Romans 11, verse 36. Those who will honestly study the matter must surely agree. Having made this point, Paul proceeds in the next verse to make a plea based upon the truth that God is the creator and sustainer of the universe. Quote, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Romans 12, verse 1. Do you see it? The emphasis here is upon what is reasonable. If God made all things and continues to provide the necessary support to keep all things functioning, then it is simply the reasonable thing for us to serve him. Think about it. We are his. We belong to him. He made us. He upholds us. It only makes sense for us, therefore, to do what he wants us to do. In this text, the phrase, present your bodies a living sacrifice, indicates the degree of this reasonable service. We are not being called upon to offer ourselves to him on a part-time basis, maybe a few hours per week or a couple days each year. Instead, we are to give ourselves completely over to him. In our selfish, self-centered age, there are many who are totally unfamiliar with the notion of sacrifice. They are the center of their own universe. They think constantly of what can be gained for self. They completely ignore the duty that is due to the one who made them and constantly blesses them with the things that maintain their existence. Such conduct is absolutely unreasonable. If you believe in God, logic and reason demand that you humbly serve him. Are you doing so? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. I'm too old. Um, this is the virtual Bible study. Missed a recent virtual Bible study program? Listen to any of our past programs from the archive section of our website. Now, back to the virtual Bible study. We're back on the program tonight. Remind you, the program is brought to you by the, the College U Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Find out more about us at our website, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Stream those services or watch a recording of our services if you'd like to find out more about how, what we practice, what we believe. Uh, find out what our worship service is like, collegeview.com, thevirtualbiblestudy.com. Send us an email, questions at collegeview.com with any question you might have. Talking about right. preaching tonight, what makes good preaching? Uh, let's, there's obviously more we can say about all these yeah, things. But one of the things we need to talk about is a preacher can't be long-winded, and we're pretty long-winded today. Yeah, yeah. So let's go. We just have got to the we, – we're just starting the second question, uh, but this maybe can go a little bit quicker. What kind of personal skills does a preacher need to possess? So what kind of skill set does he need? Um, I think, obviously, there there's, there's some skill set that's required. And I think it's a mistake to imagine that every person can mm. or should be a preacher. Mm. Now, we should all be teachers. We should all be willing to do what we can to share the gospel message uh, but but the idea that everybody should should be a public proclaimer of the message, I think, is probably not exactly sound. All right, uh, exactly. Um, it, it, it and and I, I think we sort of put that up maybe to our young people as a that, that that's that's what everyone should aspire to. Yeah, to being a preacher. Well, it's a good aspiration, but it isn't for everyone. Right. 
some people, and, and there are some skills. Let's read what our what our emailers said about some skills needed. Kent starts out by saying capable communication skills. That not sure be, what you're saying there. No, I'm just kidding. Well, you think about that. It's just not everybody is is qualified or capable or even able to do public speaking. They can't get their their ideas across. Have you ever I know probably a lot of our listeners have seen those legitimate polls that have been taken where they ask people their greatest fear. The people uh, the polls that I've seen and I've seen several come up with the same conclusion. People's number two fear is dying. But it's a distant second to people's number one fear which is public speaking. <laughs> and so if is some people just absolutely cannot do that, yeah. and it's un, uh, you, so you don't have to do that. You don't have to be a preacher to be a, a faithful servant of God, uh, and so uh, the ability to communicate in public is good. You know, there are some people who can't hardly communicate on a one-on-one level. Some people who are so, just so terribly timid or shy that they that they can't even really carry on a a, 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 one-on-one. a one-on-one conversation. Yeah. So that's okay. They can. I mean, somebody who's who's painfully shy like that can still be a faithful Christian, but they obviously don't need to be thinking that they'd be a preacher with a, with those kind of cons- problems of, right. of communication. Yeah. Kent says that he needs to be logical. I like that, Kent. I think logic is. I, I don't know what's going on, but I think that there's been a a, a big failing in our education system. People are not being taught. Logical thinking processes. In, in other words, you, you you need to be able to present. This is true, and this is true. Therefore, this must be true. Yeah. You know, you need to be able to pr- pr- to pose a a reasonable, progressive, logical argument. And some people don't have that skill to do that. I'm Paul afraid. went in the synagogues and reasoned with them concerning yeah. the scriptures. Yeah. There's some logic yeah. associated with that. Acts uh, 17, verse 2. Yeah, Acts 17, 2, exactly right. And Acts chapter 18, verse 4. So, uh, and 18, verse 9. I, I like that. Logical, rational, critical thinking. Uh, and we, we just talked about this uh, not too long ago in Acts chapter 24. When he's talking with Felix, right? And yeah. uh, he said that he reasoned with him of righteousness, temperance, and judgment to come. Yeah. He Not only was he using logic about the scriptures, but he was using logic, I think, about where Felix was and what Felix needed to hear, right? Yeah. He was stringing yeah. together Felix's background and maybe his knowledge. Yeah. And, and he's reasoning with him according to that. I really believe that God expects us to use our, our powers of reasoning and logic that he that he created us with, that he expects us to use those to to reach the right conclusions from his word. You know, the Bible is not an impossible book to understand. It's not even a terribly difficult book to understand. But you've got to you've got to apply yourself and use your brains. And and we 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 need preachers who have the capacity to use the mind God gave them to think logically and reasonably to draw conclusions. Critical thinking. To me, I would I would probably a synonym for that expression would be problem solving. Mm-hmm. You know, so here's a problem. You know, how do what does how do I approach that problem? Uh, uh, maybe it's a problem that, uh, of a member, some some issue he's dealing with, or maybe it's a problem the whole congregation is dealing with. Uh, what's the best way to approach that problem from the scriptures uh, to get the answers that that God has provided for those problems? All right, uh, and then. And then Kent says a large dose of courage along with genuine humility. We already talked about humility, and so we won't we won't dwell on that again. I think it's so important. But a large dose of courage, which I think is important because there there are going to be people who oppose the truth. Remember there we read in Second Timothy four where Paul told Timothy, preach the word, be instant in season and out of season. And basically he was telling them there's going to be times when it's not popular yep. and people are not going to want to hear what you have to say. Yep. And they're going to heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They're going to want to get people who will tell them what they want to hear and they won't want to hear what you're trying to preach. And and you're going to have to be courageous. And and Paul bore the scars on his body uh that 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 proved that there would be hard times ahead, and the preaching of the gospel would be opposed, 
And you're going to, have to be courageous to stick with it. And we don't face those same kind of persecutions today, obviously. But there are going to be people who oppose us and oppose the teaching of the truth. It's not a personality contest or a popularity contest, right? Right. right. You, and if a preacher has that approach that he wants to be popular and he wants to be liked uh, all the time, then he's uh, he's setting himself up for failure. Yeah, exactly right. Okay. Uh, I had a note here on my notes. Uh, about this idea of courage, which I think is a, is certainly true. He Stephen needed, says he was kicked out of two jails recently. I guess that's better than being kicked in yeah. to two jails. I uh, imagine what he's talking about. He's there teaching people, and they, they, and they ran him out. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, Paul said in Ephesians 6, beginning verse 18, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me. Paul says, you, you all in Ephesus, pray for me. That utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So Paul said, pray for me that I'll have the boldness to preach what needs to be preached. Isn't that something that even Paul, you would think all that he had been through, that he would have been solid as a rock. But he knew that he He, he, needed boldness. He needed prayers, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Are we skipping anything there in the chat room? Uh, I guess 3955 says they need to be able to handle conflict and disagreements. Well, that's a good one as well. I hadn't thought about that. But uh, certainly there's going to be conflict. There's going to be disagreements. And um, he's going to have to handle that. I think so. Dwight in Iowa in the chat room says, what if a preacher has no, what if a congregation has no preacher? I believe that the men who step up to preach need to do the best they can as to preach the word as Paul told Timothy. I think you're right, Dwight. And and so not everybody's a, a, a full-time preacher or supported totally to do the work of preaching. There are a lot of, there are a lot of situations like Dwight's describing there were small congregations, maybe the, the men in the church have to step up and do that work. But even in a, even in a congregation like that, maybe not every man is really capable. Uh, and, and I think there's a lot of judgments involved with that, but it may be better, to, you know, to, to let the, the few, the one or two or a few who do a better job carry that part of the load and those who are not as skilled in communicating do a lot of the other work to make it possible for those guys who can do that to do more of that work. We don't all have to do everything, but the work has got to get done. Okay. All right. Thank you for those comments tonight, Kent. Now on to Chris uh, quickly. Chris says, needs to be able to relate to all kinds of people, able to deal with different personalities, income, and social levels, etc." I think that's really true. Uh, um, you're going you're gonna to find a you know everybody's different and 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 I, and I got to tell you some there's some really odd birds out there well and, and of course we're not for us, <laughs> yeah. else, yeah. no but but you got to be able to you got to be able to relate to all different kinds of people right exactly right and and different social st- status too uh, as he mentioned different positions and in, in life different circumstances income levels different learning styles even or maybe different levels of learning. You know, yeah. maybe you're talking to somebody who hasn't had a lot of formal education. Yeah. Or, or maybe you're talking doesn't know much about the Bible. I've I've studied with people who didn't even know how to read. Yeah. Uh, but then on the other end of the spectrum, you might be in a position to try to teach a college professor. Yeah. And you you have to you have to be able to relate to him too. Okay. Someone who has thick skin and knows how to handle criticism, fair and unfair. I think that's true. Okay. I, I mean, there's going to be that. that because we're people, we're fallible, and those who, who we're trying to teach are also fallible. Yeah. And so there's going to be conflict and criticism. And, and uh, you know, we, uh, if, if, you, if you're too thin-skinned, you're not, you're not going to make it. Needs to be able to empathize with people. I have a good friend who lacks this skill completely. If someone likes something he doesn't, it blows his mind. He can't <laughs> empathize at all. He freely admits this disqualifies him for being an elder. Wow. Okay. So something to, to work on there. To, yeah, to empathize with people. See things from their point of view a okay. little bit. Okay. And Chris says a preacher needs to have or learn the ability to study personal study and the ability to study with others. That's a skill. That is a skill. I think he's right. You you develop the skill of studying the Word of God yeah. and studying it so that you can prepare a lesson, prepare a lesson that can be followed by others so that they can get the points that you're making. I always am reminded of that story about the guy who went to hear a sermon and the next day his friend asked him, what did the preacher preach about? And the guy said, I don't know. 
he didn't say, no. <laughs> you know, so he didn't communicate. He, he, he had not prepared himself to present it in such a way that, that people walked away with, with the main points of his lesson. Number, I see, uh, Stephen in, in Rockmart, Georgia. He needs to have a large dose of love for the law. Absolutely, absolutely, no doubt about it. it. Needs to be his motivation. Abundant common sense. I think, you know, uh, common sense is not too common anymore, no. as has been clearly pointed out by lots of people. And I think, I think the preacher needs to have common sense. And street smarts, as well as a non judgmental attitude. So he says street smarts. Uh, yeah, I guess, I guess, uh, Maybe he needs to just have real life words, experiences to draw upon. Maybe maybe said. real life experiences would be another way to say that. Understanding. No, where he doesn't have. To, I just recently wrote a Bolton article about this. He doesn't have to have been there and done that. In other words, so I'm going to deal with it. I'm trying to help a guy who's an alcoholic. You know that comes up too, too often anymore, and we've had to deal with situations like. I don't have to have gone through alcoholism. I don't have to have the the that in my background before I can relate to this guy who is an alcoholic and teach him the truth of God's word on that, on that problem of that sin. Yeah. So, uh, maybe, uh, I I don't, and I don't think Stephen is saying that, but I I wouldn't want that to come across. Say you got, you got to, you you have to have lived a bad life before you become a preacher so that you can relate to everybody. Now a non-judgmental attitude. He's got to, he's got to judge that, Hey, that guy's living in sin, but he shouldn't have a pharisaical, Holier than thou attitude where he, he can't right. understand why anybody would. I think that's right. right. Yeah. Okay. Um, all supported by a good recall of scripture. Certainly. He needs to be comfortable in public speaking and not come off as preachy. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how I would define that, but I think I know what Stephen is talking about. I've been around some preachers that I thought were very preachy and, and it doesn't usually set too well with people. Yeah. And I think probably everybody has a, has a, an idea in their mind of, his what tone, that his is. approach yeah. needs yeah. to be appropriate. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Stephen explains what he meant by street smart in the chat room. No, know when you're being conned. Okay. Know when you're being conned. And that happens sometimes. I'm, I, I, I agree that it does. It can happen. And he said uh, this uh, idea of coming off as preachy is yelling. Maybe, maybe, but sometimes, sometimes. you might need to. Sometimes preachers just act, uh, oh, oh, I don't know, maybe in their in their personal demeanor. They're just sort of soft and and, you know. Uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. I think a lot of, there's a lot of things going into that preachy kind of conduct that we don't like. Short break. When we get back, we've got to run to the fat top of the hour with two more topics to discuss. And so it's going to be fast. What kind of sermons does a preacher need to preach? And what can preaching, even the very best preaching, not accomplish? We're going fast. When we get back, don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible studies back right for this. After these important messages, we'll be back to take your comments. Email them during this break. This is Monty Overton, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We appreciate your interest in the Bible. It is, after all, God's message to us. We thought you might be encouraged by a poem written by A.Z. Conrad entitled, The Bible Stands. It goes like this. Century follows century, there it stands. Empires rise and fall and are forgotten, there it stands. Dynasty succeeds dynasty, there it stands. Kings are crowned and uncrowned, there it stands. Emperors decree its extermination, there it stands. Atheists rail against it, there it stands. Agnostics smile cynically, there it stands. Profane, prayerless punsters caricature it, there it stands. Unbelief abandons it, there it stands. Higher critics deny its claimed inspiration, there it stands. The flames are kindled against it, there it stands. The tooth of time gnaws but makes no dent in it. There it stands. Infidels predict its abandonment. There it stands. Modernism tries to explain it away. There it stands. We're tracking the trends on the virtual Bible study. In 2018, Barner Group researchers did a study on the Great Commission. They asked American churchgoers if they had ever heard of the term. 51% said no, they had never heard of the Great Commission. Only 17% were able to answer affirmatively and say what the Great Commission is. Even when given the option of multiple choice, only 37% could pick it out from a list. Specifically, only 1 in 10 churchgoers in their 20s and 30s know what the Great Commission is. That information is via Focus Press. The Word of God says in Matthew 28, beginning verse 19, Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. 
Broadcasting around the world with truth that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. We're back on the program. Going to the top of the hour. Quickly, what kind of wow. sermons does the preacher need to preach? Well, that's an open-ended question. Yeah, let's go, let's get our answers real quick, and we'll comment, but we're going to have to hurry. Uh, Kent says, sermons that respect the authority of Scripture. I don't think there's hardly any. Obviously, we've got to talk about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. That's the, the core of the gospel message. But when it comes to how to serve God, how to respond to that truth of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, we, we got to get people grounded in Bible authority. How do we go to the Bible and from the Bible determine what God what wants, God us, wants to us to do? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And most people can't do that. Yeah. All right. It's sermons that are, he goes on to say, sermons that are textual, topical, and expository in nature. Well, that covers it all, can't it? <laughs> yeah. so, and, and, and we should have a sort of a mix of sermons. Uh, some sermons that are based right in a text, just work your way through a text and get all the points out of that text. But, and I know some folks who think that that's the only kind of preaching you ought to ever do is textual preaching. I think it's impossible if you're going to cover Topics like, for instance, what text would you preach if you wanted to speak about the subject of gambling? I don't know one text that I could go to and make a sermon about gambling, but I need to preach about gambling. And so some need to be topical sermons, too. So textual and topical and and really textual, maybe expository. I, I would kind of blend them together in a, in, a, in a when you're preaching from a text, you, you're exposing that text. You're going through the text and explaining. I like that answer, Ken. Jeff in the chat room, he breaks it down for us pretty simple. He says simply the truth. Good. Absolutely. 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 Uh, Chris in Georgia says, first and foremost, a preacher needs to preach the Bible, not I think or I feel sermons. With that in mind, he needs to preach a good balance of lessons, sermons that correct, warn, encourage, and instruct. I think that's exactly right, uh, Chris. And, uh, Go back one more time to that Second Timothy chapter 4, uh, verse 2. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. So Paul sort of broke it into three areas. Reprove, rebuke. Both of those would be sort of considered negative things. If you have to reprove somebody, you have to sort of correct them. Rebuking is even a stronger yeah. term if you look to the meaning of those original words. And exhort means to encourage. So sometimes you're going to have to, to to be negative, and sometimes you're going to have to be positive. Sometimes you correct and warn, but then you also encourage and instruct. I think you're right, Chris. Stephen says the type of sermons need to be all directed to lead people to come out of her, my people, out of denominations into the one church, and to be obedient to the gospel. The sermons need to raise as many questions in folks' minds as they are designed to answer. In my experience, most people can come up with a single question about the Bible when asked, or they can't come up. Therefore, we need to be asking the right questions for them in our lessons. Remember, the elders are to produce sermons of topics directed to living out one's faith. I've heard so many guest preachers come and deliver the five-step plan of salvation to well-established churches, I guess, just to prove that they are kosher in their theology. What a waste of time. I don't think it's ever a waste of time to preach the plan of salvation. Because in any assembly, there are going to be people that, that have not obeyed the gospel. So when, when we preach in an assembly, we're not just preaching to those who are already Christians. Uh, so I, 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 I try to include that in every sermon when we uh, yeah. Uh, offer what we call an invitation to people to come to, to uh, a relationship uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. Okay. Um, but he says a lot of people can't even uh, come up with a single question about the Bible. They don't know the Bible. They don't know anything about it. That, that uh, stat that we had uh, in one of our earlier breaks, only one out of ten people in their 20s and 30s know what the Great Commission is. People are just completely biblical, biblically illiterate. And happy that way, yeah. unfortunately. Yeah. Uh, number four. All right. Our final question is, what can preaching, even the very best preaching, not accomplish? I want to go to Stephen's answer first because I think he takes an interesting approach to this. What preaching cannot accomplish? Preaching will accomplish precisely what it's intended for. My word will not go out and come back void. Uh, whether one is converted or not is, with, is not within our power. One preaches, 
one waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Preachers need to take heart that they are simply to sow the seed. What happens to it is not for them to agonize over. Uh, so I, I think that's, I think he's exactly right. I mean, preaching, even if people don't respond to the preaching, the preaching has, has accomplished what God wants it to accomplish in the sense that it, the, the truth has gone out. Absolutely. Uh, so I, I like Stephen's answer on that. I think he's right. So good, good preaching good. can't force a response. Yeah. Yeah. Kyle? Well, I was like, okay, well, <clears throat> if if we're not versing ourselves in the Bible, if we're not reading our Bibles at home, the preaching, he's just going to be talking to us. He's not going to, we're not going to understand what he's talking about. If we're not reading and studying oh, <clears throat> the uh, word for ourselves, we need to be making sure that we're... So you... You sort of maybe allude to the parable of the sower here because you got to get your your heart, your soil ready to receive the seed. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's right. right. Okay. Uh, Kent in Georgia says even the very best of sermons that are both eloquently and effectively presented cannot provide a warranty for positive results. The hearers are free moral agents, and they alone will be the deciding factor as to whether or not the truth will be received and obeyed. Exactly right. Exactly yeah. right. And then Chris in Georgia says preaching cannot force anyone to accept the truth. We all have free will, and the reality is some will accept the truth, and many will not. Our job is to sow the seed. Here's a quote from a personal development guy that I heard years ago and never forgot. God has the tough end of the deal. What if instead of planting the seed, you had to make the tree? That would keep you up late at night trying to figure that one out. That's from Jim Rohn. Uh, okay. All right, thanks for your I had a, I had a quick little list uh what preaching can't do. Preaching can't reach those who are closed-minded preaching can't change those who stop listening when they disagree preaching can't help those who won't make personal application okay but again and i think stephen's got the i think his his observation is correct preaching will do what it's designed to do and it's going to expose the bad hearts of those people who won't accept it and won't react to it okay all right, 877, well, no, it's too late for that. But uh, 3995 in the chat room suggests maybe a topic for a future edition. What a true godly man and true godly woman looks like even in today's world. Oh, yeah, pretty good. Yeah, or man. maybe that's the kind of sermons we need, yeah. maybe some sermons like that. But, oh, that's probably what he, how he's answering. In other words, no. what kind of sermons oh, we need? Okay. Uh, we need sermons that show what a true godly man or a true godly woman ought to look like even when they are living in such a wicked world as we have today. But that might be a good su- subject for a virtual Bible study. Yeah, yeah, maybe so. Okay, all right. Uh, well, we got we through that. It. We had to race there at the end, but we got through that. But I, I, I think that is a worthy topic because, as I said in our update today, you know, everybody's got their own opinions about preachers and preaching. And I think all of us have individuals that we hold up as Maybe our favorites. I, I really love to hear that guy preach. He does such, you know, he, he really preaches powerful lessons that really resonate with me. I think that's different. You know, some people might like one person and somebody might like another because of their style or, or their manner of pre- presentation. I think in our chat room earlier, it was suggesting, you know, one of the preachers pre- teaches, tells a lot of corny jokes. Well, there may, that may be, that may be okay. It may be a problem. I don't know. But uh, uh, as for me, I, I'm not too keen on hearing preachers teach corny jokes. So different things appeal to different people. But it's all got to be based in the Word of God. Okay. And and as somebody said in one of our responses, it's not I think or I feel. I tell you, if I go if I go to hear a preacher and he only makes passing reference to one or two verses of Scripture in a whole sermon. I'm not satisfied. I don't think he's done his job. Well, that's where we that sort of gets us back where we started in Romans chapter one verse sixteen. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. If our preaching is not centered on God's word, corny jokes aren't going to save people. Funny stories aren't going to save. Entertaining talks aren't going to save people. It's God's word that are going to save people, and that's what we've got to be preaching. Uh, recently, I heard a guy criticize the preaching that says, "Well, you make a point." And then you, uh, you point scripture, point scripture. And he thought, and the suggestion was that's a bad thing, which I actually think is a good thing. If I make a point, I very well better have a scripture that proves that that's a legitimate point. Now I'm not just preaching my own opinions. Yeah. All right. Kyle, anything else from you tonight? It's, it's, uh, it's good. I think we need to come to church in anticipation of hearing uh, and 
of hearing the word and make sure we're clearing our mind of worldly thoughts and make sure we're focusing and studying the Bibles and being prepared to get our toes stepped on a little bit. So well, we need to make sure we're ready to go. You talk about preparing to hear God's word. We ought to demand it, right? Mm-hmm. And then when we hear God's word, even if it's something that makes us uncomfortable, we ought to be showing our appreciation to the man who had enough love and courage to tell us what we needed to hear. Yeah. All right. Okay. Good, All right. Good discussion tonight. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Kyle, for being yeah. here. And thank you, Dad. Thanks. Enjoyed it. Thank you all for being a part of the study tonight, and we hope you'll make plans to be back here this time next week for another edition of the Virtual Bible Study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word of the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study, brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 930 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.